everybody, and welcome to New Consciousness Review. I'm Miriam Knight, and our guest today is Mary Hayes Greco, a respected spiritual teacher based in Minneapolis. Mary was on the faculty of Hazelden Renewal Center for 16 years as a spiritual retreat leader for people in recovery from addiction, and she taught courses in the spirituality of the workplace at the University of St. Thomas's Management Center. Mary is currently the director and lead trainer of the Midwest Institute for Forgiveness Training, which provides programs for professionals for the general public and for committed students of self-mastery. Mary is the author of The Kitchen Mystic, Spiritual Lessons in Everyday Life, Be a Light, Illumined Essays for Times Like These, and her latest book, Unconditional Forgiveness. Very, very topical at this season. Welcome, Mary. I'm so delighted to have you here. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. Mary, you've been teaching forgiveness for 20 years. Tell, why did you start by telling us about the work of Dr. Edith Stauffer and why you were drawn to it? Dr. Edith Stauffer was a brilliant uh, and a very grounded spiritual teacher that I met back in 86. She had observed in 45 years of doing psychotherapy and in many years of doing spiritual studies that there's a pattern of healing, that there's a way that you can approach healing very methodically, very uh, consciously, and get results. And she had managed in her time to synthesize a really vast amount of experience with emotional healing down into these eight simple steps of what needs to happen to let go of something. And when I met Dr. Stauffer, I was really, really drawn to her because of the way she walked with such peace and such graciousness and such calm, friendly trust in life. And I just uh, I wanted to follow her around like a lovesick puppy and learn whatever <laughs> it was that made her so peaceful. And it turns out it was that she was living the principles of unconditional love and forgiveness. And I thought, well, if that's what it's going to take, uh, that's what I'll find out about. So I began to uh, attend her workshops and then realized that this was a calling for me too, that I have always, always wanted to help people alleviate their emotional pain and suffering. Because I know what this is like. I had plenty of it myself. And I found that her method just just pushed me ahead with such uh, ease and grace that I wanted to learn how to do it and share it with others, too. So well, you, you've obviously added your own elements into this uh, teaching and into your workshops. What are the essential elements that you teach? Yes, I guess the way I put it is that Edith laid the groundwork for this method, and I refined it, and I enhanced how we deliver it to the public. And the elements are the uh, steps, the eight steps that go into forgiving another person come out of the sense of who we are as whole human beings, that we have to make a decision about how we want to live, that we have this emotional level, we have a mental level, we have personal boundaries, we have an energy system, we have a soul, we have our relationship to the other person, and our relationship to life itself. And this is what goes into those eight steps, is that we take a specific sad or mad story that is haunting us, and we work it through all of these levels 
systematically, and we find that this issue, no matter how long you've carried it, this issue, this weight of resentment or anger or sadness, it just dissolves. It just melts away. So it's, it's really kind of amazing. Forgiveness is the home of the miracle, and it happens every single time that you mm-hmm. do that. Mm-hmm. Well, so many um, healers talk about anger and resentment as being held in the body and actually generating many of the diseases, uh, certainly yes. if you look at Louise Hay's work or Carolyn Mace and so on. Yes, Eckhart Tolle also refers to the pain body. Oh, yes. And one of the things that we can say is that when we're doing this forgiveness work, we are actually bit by bit um, emptying the pain body of the energy that it's carrying. We're making ourselves less reactive. We're making it more possible for us to come from our true self, our essential self, our soul, and not be pulled off the rails by these different triggers that bring up old stories that are stuck in our pain body. So there's many, many um, works these days that are all pointing to the importance, the central importance of being able to do forgiveness. Mm -hmm. You know, you you talk in your book about um, different types of outrages, really, against the individual. Is there any actions too outrageous to forgive? Well, there isn't, really, because, you see, what we're saying about forgiveness is that we want to forgive everything because it's affecting us. And it is really kind of independent of the right or the wrong or the severity of the insult. So whether it's something really irritating and annoying or whether it's something heartbreaking and very, very sad or whether it's something outrageous or an atrocity, all of these things we can say are issues of pain on a spectrum of pain. But the healing process of pain is the same. And the reason we do forgiveness is because we want to be free of pain. And we are welcome to, to have the opinion for the rest of our lives that somebody was wrong, that something was unjust, that this, we would prefer that this had not happened. But we are loosening up our judgment and our attachment and our rigid expectations about how things are supposed to go. And we're saying, okay, well, this is what happened. I didn't like it. I had these feelings. I'm working this out. And now I'm going to be in the present moment. I'm doing this for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's such an important um, issue to to focus on. That you are forgiving for your own health. It doesn't exactly. matter what the individual feels. Yeah, exactly. And you may or may not have the opportunity to ever mm-hmm. um, seek reconciliation between you and another person. They may have died some years ago, or it may be not safe for you to have contact with them. But the idea is that forgiveness is a private, independent process that we do for ourselves. And you always have the power to do that. You always have the power to choose the attitude of unconditional love and forgiveness and take some time to work it through and go forward free of what's happened and to really give these other people that have done these wrong and terrible things, let them have full responsibility for their actions. You don't have to worry about it. We can assume that there is a a law in this universe, whether you call it the golden rule or you call it the law of karma or you call it judgment day, whatever you want to call it, 
I believe every soul has to stand before this law with their actions. And we do not have to walk around hanging on to judgment, hoping somebody will, will be accountable to us. We don't need to worry about that. We need to just really live our own lives with integrity and heal the issues that come up for us as we go along and let everyone just have the accountability for their own actions. You know, it's interesting. As you were talking, I was thinking about the, um, the sort of moral uh, stance of some of the politicians and so on and some of the issues that seem to be hot buttons. And it really is other people trying to control the lives of the rest of the population um, to be in line with what they perceive as right or wrong. So it's, yeah. it, it's it, extending their own um, views out into the world instead of just taking responsibility for their own lives. Yes. And we don't have to look far any day on the news to find politicians we need to forgive. <laughs> plenty of, there's plenty of politicians and lawmakers and uh, people that we come across in our life that we need to forgive because we do not want them to be shadowing our own consciousness. We don't want to be thinking about that. But, yes, I, I consider that kind of a, a, a younger soul preoccupation, if you will, <laughs> the, the need to judge, the need to, to legislate right and wrong for others. I, I think that as people grow more mature, we can handle more ambiguity in other people's uh, value systems. But, but some people are very, very intense about thinking they know what's right and wrong. And um, forgiveness just goes across all, uh, all religions and all, um, all spheres. And, but I, th I think actually very few people really uh, make it a, a, a spiritual discipline to get down in there and really learn what that is and really live it. Forgiveness is really also honoring the other person's path. Yes, that's true. That's true. It's allowing people to be who they are. Mm -hmm. It's allowing them to have whatever value system, whatever conditioning, whatever level of consciousness, whatever, whatever level of maturity mm -hmm. that they have. Because one of the ways we get in trouble is we expect other people to have the same values and the same maturity and the same consciousness that we do. And they don't. So mm -hmm. we need to allow them to be who they are and to see the goodness in them, and to be able to really, really honor the goodness in them at whatever um, path that they're walking. Yeah. You've transformed thousands of lives during your work. Can you share some stories with us? There really have been some amazing, amazing stories. And um, I, I never tire of seeing this miracle that occurs when somebody takes something that has haunted them intensely from the past and changes it finally. I, I think of a man who lost his six-year-old son 17 years before I met him. He lost his six-year-old son in a household accident. And the little boy just died right in front of him, and the poor father couldn't do anything about it. And this man had been in grief groups and therapy and had walked with this shadowy story, literally bowing him, literally bowing his head. He was a very tall man. He was like well, well over six feet. And he, he walked with this kind of sad bow to his posture. And we conducted a forgiveness session with him uh, at a workshop. And 
he he had never really realized that he in a in a funny way he needed to forgive the little boy. He, he you wouldn't think of that a parent needing to forgive a child for getting killed. I mean, who can get, who could control that? But he forgave this little boy at last for leaving him, for mm-hmm. depriving him of the long journey that he'd hoped to have with him and mm. the many passages, the, the graduations and the, the games and the wedding and all of these, these things in life he was looking forward to. And he needed to really release this little boy's spirit in a way from all those disappointed expectations. And what was so lovely was at the end of his forgiveness work, he could suddenly feel the presence of his little boy's spirit with him in his heart. He could feel this joyful, buoyant, happy presence connecting with him. And he felt like, wow, I, I could have connected with him ages ago, but I, I was in this shadow. I, I didn't realize that you can't really kill a soul. It's in the universe somewhere. And um, it was remarkable to see his physical transformation because he stood up. He, he, he really walked taller after that session and this remained for days and days we saw him walking around tall and he said you know i haven't been looking at the horizon i've been walking in this sad story and i haven't been looking at the horizon and now i feel like at last my eyes are looking out at the horizon and i i can move beyond this story with the love of my son in my heart what a beautiful story that is lovely. It really was lovely. And it's, it's amazing to see the physical transformations that go on. I think of another man who forgave his mother who always picked on him. She was henpecking him constantly. And he was a very shy, insecure, um, intimidated by everything sort of person. And in his case, too, he was, he was a tall man who was walking around hunched over like a little boy expecting to be picked on. And when he finally let go of uh, his issue with his mother, he, he his posture just unwound. It, it was amazing. He just his head came up and his shoulders came back. He said, "I feel like my arms are too long." <laughs> I'm <just walking> around <laughs> with, with my with my uh, with my posture straight, so I feel like I'm, my arms have grown. And it's just really interesting to watch when people forgive a childhood issue where you can almost see this little scared six-year-old kids sitting there in the chair, even though they're 57, and they're forgiving their parents for whatever uh, wound and issue they've been carrying. And when it's over, you see them just step into the now and step into who they really are and claiming their their wisdom and their gifts. And somehow that little child self uh, becomes integrated, becomes safe and kind of curls up in, inside in an integrated way. And it doesn't uh, run the show anymore, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Well, if you've just joined us, we are speaking with Mary Hayes Greco about her book, Unconditional Forgiveness. We're going to take a short break now, and then we'll be right back with our guest. We're back with Mary Hayes Greco discussing her book, Unconditional Forgiveness. Mary, you describe eight steps to freedom. Can we go through them, you know, just lightly and see if we can convey their essence? What's the first one? The first step is to use your will. 
become willing to choose the attitude of forgiveness and to move ahead, to move ahead with your life. So step one, use your will to let this go and move ahead. Step two is the emotional release part. And that's where we imagine this person sitting in a chair across from us, and we allow ourselves to contact inside our bodies the heaviness or the place where we're carrying this emotion, which many people feel is kind of a, a tension or a block that they can sort of point to, like they point to their heart or their belly. And you picture this person in the chair and you give yourself full permission to release your emotional truth about what they did. So at this point, we're saying the language of emotion, I need to forgive you because you broke my heart, or I'm so mad at you I could spit, or I just wish I could kick you around the room. There's, there's a different language when we're speaking from our emotions than when we're speaking from our heads or our spirits. So on the emotional level, we can lean forward and let them have it. We can cry, we can accuse, we can judge, we can blame, we can, uh, we can do something physical to show how mad we are. We can kick a cushion or tear a piece of paper or anything that kind of physicalizes the emotion you're trying to uh, express. And at a certain point, you'll find that you've said it. You've emptied it out. You've said, oh, hmm, okay, well... I'm done with that, now what? Then you move to step three. And step three is where we cancel or release the expectations we've been carrying about um, this person, about this issue. And this is where we note the definition of forgiveness as we use it, which is forgiveness is to release any expectation we've been carrying that causes us to suffer. And so, we identify, say we've been venting our emotions for 20 minutes, well now we're going to boil that down and into, let's say, it's two or three expectations that I have of this person. And we're going to shift those now. We're going to say, you know, I really would have preferred this. I would have wished this. This is different than being um, attached to it and thinking it should have been this way. I really would have preferred that you had been honest with me. And we acknowledge reality, but you weren't. And I release my expectation that you would have been honest with me about this thing that happened last week. And we just pause and go inside. And you'll find that you're able to just, with a very simple intention and breath, let this tension relax. Let it release. It just unwinds, kind of uncurls. And we see... What's next? We see on this next expectation, I really would prefer that this, that you had remembered my birthday and that you had uh, made a point of letting me know that I was special to you on that day. But you did it, and I am not going to be thinking about this anymore. I release my expectation that you would have remembered my birthday. And you go inside, and you breathe, and you let it go. You feel it just kind of becoming quiet. So you do this process with whatever several expectations seem to be there, and they shift, they melt. And then we move to step four. So we've gone now from will to emotions to mind, and now we're going to go to boundaries and subtle energy. So the boundaries part is what we say to that person, you know, I'm giving you full responsibility for your mistake. I give this back to you. I'm not carrying it anymore. We really visualize giving that person their own 
accountability for their actions and their attitudes. And then we picture, we visualize our personal space like a bubble around us. The uh, subtle energy healers would call it your aura. You picture your aura nice and firm and healthy and filled with a, a nice colored light, any colored light that comes to your mind. You picture your personal space whole, complete. I give you full responsibility for your actions and I am whole and safe in my space. And then we move to the spiritual step, um, step five and six. Step five, where we open to the universe to receive what we need. So here we've been leaning in, uh, over this person, wishing that they would do this or wishing that they wouldn't do that. And what we need to do is to just really be in, in our own space and aligned with our soul and open to the universe to get what we need. So we open up and ask a higher level to bring us what we need. And we imagine a source of healing light above the head. We're now in step six, bringing this uh, light and love, this unconditional love, down through our personality. We're bathing the body in this subtle energy. We're bathing the emotional self, the emotional body, and we're bathing the mind in this peaceful, quiet, detached, graceful light that's available to us. And we just wash the personality clean with this, this healing energy that comes from a higher level. And then we move to the next step. At a certain point, we send this love and light out to the person just the way they are. And we might even hold our hands out to them, like in blessing, symbolically, sending them this stream of light that comes from the universe, that comes from beyond, that comes from our soul. And you tell them, I send you this unconditional love, so-and-so, just the way you are. And I release you to be yourself. And you really imagine sending that unconditional love to them the way they are and letting them go to be themselves, letting yourself go to be yourself. And then to the last step, which is to see the good, to see what's good about them or to see what's good about the situation or maybe just seeing what's good about you and what you've learned in the situation. But you want to see how you have turned this wound into wisdom, how you can now see the goodness in this person or yourself or the situation. And if we've done all of these steps thoroughly, if we've gone from will to emotion to mind to boundaries and subtle energy to the universe to a source of healing light to our right relationship with them, our right relationship with life, if we've done all of these things, we will find that the body has changed too that you do not have this heavy weight anymore in your heart or your solar plexus or your throat or wherever you've been carrying it, that it feels open, that you're breathing there, that it feels softer, that you feel lighter. People can always say what's happened when real forgiveness has taken place. They'll say, oh, oh, my shoulders have relaxed or my headache is gone or my stomach has uncurled. There's something physical that marks it. And what's wonderful is that this physical change is permanent, that this emotional and physical change is permanent because we have actually transformed the issue. We've actually dissolved it. It doesn't come back tomorrow. And if you feel good at the end of your forgiveness work, you can just know that you're going to wake up the next morning and still feel good. You're not mm -hmm. going to call that issue back anymore. That's interesting. It reminds me of the parable of the Zen master. Uh, who 
<clears throat> was meeting with a new student, and he held out a teacup and he asked this, uh, a teapot, and he asked the student if he wanted tea. And the student said, yes, please. And the Zen master started pouring tea into the cup and kept on pouring and pouring and pouring until it overflowed. And uh, the student said, but, but, but I have enough. And the Zen master said, when you are so full of your own thoughts and ideas, and in this instance, when we're talking about so full of our own pain and anger, then there's no room for the grace of the universe to come in. So I can see how essential your work is to release that pain and anger before you can accept the goodness and the joy of the universe into your spirit and into your body. That's really true. That's a wonderful example. And it makes me think about um, two things. One, the fact that um, in religious terms, people teach, the Christian religion teaches at least, that God's forgiveness is coming to us all the time. We just have to take it in. It's just there. But most people can't. Most people cannot take in the natural forgiveness that exists in the universe. We can't take it in because we're so full up. We're so dense with our issues. Mm-hmm. And in these, these eight steps, what we're doing in the earlier steps is we're, we're breaking that density up into little chunks and, and softening it and, and um, washing it out so there's room for this, for this energy to come in, whether you want to think about it as your own soul taking its seat inside you and, and really bringing your, your own powerful, soulful energy to rest inside you or being able to open up to life's grace, the, the natural grace that's there for us. We really have to do a little bit of prep work to experience the abundance and the peace that's, that's right there all, all around us. What was the most interesting thing that you learned about yourself while you were on this journey? <laughs> oh, my. Let's see. Um, well, I guess I was really surprised that uh that even really big stories can really be done. They can really complete. And, you know, I grew up in, in an era where we were reading literature. It seemed like it was laced with tragedy all the time. You, know, you have Jane Eyre and, and um, these, you know, stories about some tragic thing that happened that shaped somebody's life for the worst forever and the whole family is dealing with it forever. And what I've learned is that you really can heal, and every time you heal, uh, if you heal your issue, your your own family system begins to change you, without even telling people. Your siblings start treating you differently. Your parents start treating you differently. The whole thing, there's a, some kind of a ripple effect that goes on when one person earnestly engages the task of forgiveness and releases this hunk of pain and judgment that we've been carrying, it's just surprising how other people begin to, to treat us differently without ever having been told anything about the work that we're doing. So I guess for me, um, one of the surprising things was just noticing the, the ripple effect and how the uh, issue that I'm forgiving seems to change. The dance seems to change as soon as I change my part. And I'm thinking of a silly example, which is... Um, long ago, like 20-something years ago, when um, I was home with a small child and my husband was out in a small business, we used to have a fight 
pretty often about who was going to do the dishes. It was just a silly household fight of the kind that many people have. And I was so sure that it was not fair for me to do the dishes because I had done the cooking. And in my universe, uh, I, I, you know, I had roommates and group households or whatever when I was young, and I knew the laws of the universe. They are she who cooks the food doesn't have to do the dishes. This is the law of the universe, the way I understood it. But my husband, who was going out to a small business with lots of cash flow stress and market problems and tensions every day, his law of the universe read, he who goes out every single day to support his family and to deal with a high stress doesn't have to come home and do the dishes. So we both had this notion that neither of us should have to do the dishes. And it was a fight. It was a little household fight. And what was funny was when I... I've forgiven many difficult things. I've forgiven many, you know, personally atrocious things. But that that silly household dishes thing was one of the harder things for me to give up because I felt so right. I was so sure I was right. And it was hard to give it up when I was right. But I finally realized he's always going to outlast me. He's always going to outweigh me. And, and meanwhile, we're not enjoying each other very much around supper time. So I finally decided to forgive him. And when I when I let it go... I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know if I was going to just buy paper plates or <laughs> eat out more or, or let the dishes pile up until I felt like doing it. I just was so mad. I didn't, I don't want to, but I let it go. And, and later that night, I, I completely released my expectation that he would ever, ever, ever in our life do a dish. I just let it go. If you never do a dish, I'm going to love you anyway. I'm just going to let this be, you know, what it is. And it was, it was the hardest one. And I let it go. And that, that night of supper, he and I were talking and we were engaged philosophically as we are when there's this passionate discussion about something philosophical. And in the, and we're in the middle of a sentence, he jumps up and he's still talking and he starts clearing the dishes and we're walking into the kitchen and we're still talking and he's putting the dishes in the sink and he's running the water and he's throwing the soap in. And I'm thinking, oh my God, he's washing the dishes. <laughs> anyway, it, he began to wash the dishes right in front of me without, you know, talking about it or having any kind of issue about it. And in the middle of it, with his, with his uh, elbows up to the, you know, his, his soap up to the elbows, he looked down and he looked at me and he says, hmm, we should get a dishwasher. And, you know, <laughs> we should we should have. We could have got a dishwasher months before, and we didn't, and it, it solved the problem. So <laughs> it took that, you know, that silly moment of of watching him, start to wash the dishes because he wasn't in a, in a fight with me anymore. I, I had stepped out of the fight, and the whole issue began to transform and, and go to a simple, simpler, more elegant solution. So we got a dishwasher. Now he does the dishes, or I do the dishes, and nobody fights about it. It's just it's not, not an issue anymore. But the dynamic is interesting because it's when you backed off and released it yes. that he the solution was able me. to come forward. Yeah. Right. Because he, he, here, if you are judging somebody and if you are thinking they should do something, they are going to spend all their energy resisting you. That's what they're going to be noticing, that you are in their space and that you are being a pain and that they need to resist you. And when you stop that, when you really forgive them, when you back off and you let them be themselves, sometimes that person can feel their own conscience. And sometimes that person can say, you know, I should really do this or, you know, I think I'm going to do that. That's something you've been saying for for a year, but you've been saying it in this nagging kind of way. And Mm -hmm. you back out of their space, sometimes they can see what they need to do. 
and they'll choose to do it. You've been working with veterans returning from Iraq and Afghanistan. Can you tell us something about that work? Well, actually, the work I did was with a therapist that um, worked with the vets. I I did um, a training for the European branch of the American Counseling Association. They're located at Ramstad Air Force Base in Germany. And um, they are constantly helping families dealing with the issues that vets families deal with. And one of them happens to be infidelity. That's a very, very high rate of infidelity in um, vet marriages because the length of absences that people go through. And, of course, personality changes. People come home, vets come back from the war, and there's personality changes um, that they have to deal with. And there's, for them, a sense of loss as they miss whole uh, years of their children growing up or or events that they wish they could have been present for. So there's kind of a self-forgiveness issue for vets uh, in terms of not being able to be in uh, the family men that they would like to be while they're being, you know, um, soldiers. So there's, there's many, many issues. But what was very interesting about this um, experience was I've experienced a lot of synchronicity in this work where I kind of feel like there's, there's some intelligent force guiding um, my work, guiding who comes to the workshops, guiding how they help each other, guiding what issues come forward. And, and oddly enough, when I had this last um, training with these people, two days before I got there, there was a terrorist attack upon soldiers on a bus at Frankfurt, Frankfurt Airport where I was mm-hmm. flying into. And I, I walked into a wounded military community. I walked into a, a place where many people were freaked out about the deaths of uh, several soldiers at the hands of, of somebody who'd gone crazy. And um, the therapists that I was working with, they had all been very stressed because they were dealing with so many stressed families that week. So I walked into this workshop in, this, in a uh, community that was at a pitch of sadness and tension. And, and very interestingly, as the workshop just opened, there was picture windows behind me as I was speaking, and slowly behind me rode three hearses carrying out the bodies of the young men who had just been killed. And the whole room just melted down. The whole room just had a big cry about this tragedy, and the workshop immediately went into addressing um, this this loss and, and how mm-hmm. people felt about it. So, so my experience with um, the vets is more around um, being um, in a on a site that was for vets, but my experience is more about isn't it interesting how how healing is orchestrated by the universe? Yes, yeah. In fact, um, you're going to Kuwait in March, aren't you, to uh, present uh, some more work? Yes, in January, I'm going to. Um, present a public talk about forgiveness and one of my forgiveness weekend intensives of the kind that I have taught a gazillion of, but it'll be my first uh, all-Muslim audience, and it'll be um, on the other side of the world from here, and I'm really looking forward to it, and I'm really looking forward to uh, what I learned about how I, I really believe that the model of forgiveness that I'm teaching is universal. I believe that it's it's uh, carrying a universal truth and a universal uh, way of understanding of how people heal from hurt. 
but it will be just very interesting to be in a completely different culture. And, for instance, this workshop will be all women because uh, men and women in that part of the world don't do personal things together. They don't mm-hmm. do intimate stories together in the same room. So this one will be for women. And um, um, I'm learning that there's certain ways of languaging that I uh, and certain stories that I won't be telling because it's a whole a whole different um, whole different culture, and they'll, I'm sure they'll have some issues that are just like ours, and some that are unique to where they live. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've just joined us, uh, you're listening to New Consciousness Review, and we're speaking with Mary Hayes Greco about her book, Unconditional Forgiveness. Mary, along the same line, um, how would you go about? helping, say, a group of, I don't know, Arabs and Israelis uh, meet at the level of unconditional forgiveness? Well, that's a whole other level that would be more in the uh, arena of reconciliation and Mm -hmm. peacemaking. The way that, uh, and and fortunately, there are some wonderful, wonderful efforts afoot in the world that, that are trying to do that sort of thing, where they're really trying to bring you know, the mothers of, of uh, children who were killed by one side together with the mothers of mm-hmm. children who were killed by another side and to bring healing to each other. And there's, there's some really wonderful um, things afoot. So the way that I do forgiveness is it's very, very personal. Mm-hmm. And so if I, w- but if I was asked to, um, to create something to that effect, I guess I would work first on one side. Um, if there was, you know, two peoples that were, in conflict with each other, I would work on one side, intensively forgiving wounds that had been incurred by the enemy. And then I would work on the enemy side, the other side, forgiving wounds that had been incurred um, towards them mm-hmm. so that uh, people could get some of the, the hurt and trauma and hate and charge out of their bodies before they even tried to work with each other or tried to talk with each other. So... Um, and then I would probably invite a workshop or experience um, for people who are willing, people who are willing to uh, learn about each other's pain and lives and do some demonstrations of forgiveness um, that people could witness the other person's pain and, and, and lend their strength to their healing. And we would do something kind of simple and ceremonial around um, encouraging the other person to heal and, and mm-hmm. saying we're sorry, you know, for the pain that they've endured. So it's it's not something I've had the opportunity to do yet, uh, right across boundaries like that, but I imagine it's something I will experience at some point. And again, to reiterate what you said earlier, we do it for ourselves, not for the other side. We do it so that yes. we can go forward with our lives. We do it for ourselves. And one thing that I actually trust about this in terms of world peace making is I really truly believe there is a powerful ripple effect energetically when anyone does forgiveness work. And I really truly believe that if uh, a certain group began to forgive their issue towards an enemy, that that light, that that energy would impact the dynamics that happen on the ground. I really believe that would happen because I've just heard so many amazing little stories where 
somebody forgave her sister who lives in London, and and she really released this old resentment. And her sister called her up that evening, and mm-hmm. they hadn't talked for two years. The sister called up and wanted to just wanted to reconnect. Or the guy that forgave his mother, who was very cruel to him all the time when they talk on the phone. She was very shaming and mean. Mm-hmm. And he forgave her, and she called him up and said, you know, I don't know why I talk so mean to you. And she began to talk to him about her conscience, and he hadn't told her, I'm going to go forgive you, you know, you old thing. No, but she had felt his love. She had felt his unconditional love. Even though he was in Minneapolis working in my office and she was in New York, she called him up and said, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. And, and when I was in Ireland speaking, uh, somebody told me a story where uh, a mother and her, a woman and her mother had been living more or less under the same roof without speaking for five years. Oh, my and, God. Yeah, and um, they they were they were just you know they, cold silence, stony silence. But the the woman went to my lecture in the town, and the grandma stayed home, and so the woman sat there and and engaged the whole concept of forgiveness and did the little meditation at the end where she was really expressing her willingness to be forgiving of her mother. And um, she came home, and her mother started talking to her. Her grandma started speaking that day, and she didn't actually say, gee, I'm sorry, let's talk. She just said, I put the tea kettle on or something Mm -hmm. kind of mundane, but she started talking. So you have to say something went on there on both sides. Why did grandma start talking to her when when she went to the forgiveness lecture? Something goes on between us, and I I believe in this for for world peacemaking because I think in the same way that, that individuals have a pain body that's carrying certain stagnant energies or certain reactive energies, humanity has a pain body that's carrying these energies of hate and prejudice and war. And I think as more and more people really live spiritual principles, including the principles of unconditional love and forgiveness, I believe that we're changing the history. We're changing the the energy in our pain body, and we're changing the possibilities of how people can get along with each other in the future. My, is there one piece of advice that you have for someone who's struggling with their own anger? Yes, I would say don't struggle. I would say if you know you're angry with somebody and this anger is bothering you, it's keeping you awake, it's making you resentful, whatever, make a date with yourself to do a piece of forgiveness work. It's going to take you about 45 minutes or an hour of your life probably, but your next day off when you're home in private and you can use the book or just use this, this one principle is picture the person sitting in an empty chair in front of you and do not struggle with your anger. Let yourself express it very honestly. Let yourself Feel it and say, I'm so mad at you. I hate you so much because I really wish this and I'm, and just vehemently express it. Get it out. And then go to the next step where you're trying to see what is this expectation I'm carrying? Oh, you know, I keep expecting that they will do this or they will be nice in this way and they won't be. Okay. And if you've expressed that anger thoroughly enough, And, you know, maybe it's taken you 10 minutes or 20 minutes of just being really honest to this empty chair. Uh, You'll be able to say, I really wish that you were like this, but you're not. And I'm going to release this as an expectation. 
just really imagine it melting away inside of you and then opening up to a source of healing and light from above. It's going to just bring some energy into you. And then you send it to them just the way they are and see something good about them. So this is just, the, you know, you can do forgiveness about some things in five minutes and other things take longer. But I would say if you're angry, don't live with it for very long because it's, it's going to really uh, impact your, your peace of mind. It will stress you out more than you, than you need or want. And um, there's nothing wrong with anger. It's, anger is just, a, it's just something like a weather system that's coming through that we need to, to uh, cope with but then move on. What is the message that you hope listeners take away from your book? I guess the biggest message is that forgiveness is not this sort of flat, moralistic, should kind of thing that we learned in church long ago and it doesn't really have a lot of relevance to us. Forgiveness is something that's going to sparkle up your life. It's going to give you more energy. It's going to open your heart to have more fun in your relationships. It's going to help you find some more grace and magic in how you move through your life. So forgiveness is its kind of an unfortunate word in a way because it's been around so long and it's a little bit just sort of sits there. But if you really have the experience, if you let yourself say, let me just do this, let me just, Take this issue I've had forever and let's transform it. Let's see what that's like. You will realize that it opens a vista. It opens a vista of happier, um, sweeter living that you won't want to go back to the old ways. You're going to want to keep this as an attitude that you walk with every day. Oh, that sounds fabulous and such timely advice going into the holidays, which tend to be such an intense time for people. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, think about, if you think about it in terms of the essence of the, the issue of forgiveness, it's expectations. Uh-huh. It's expectations that cause us to suffer. And yeah. people have so many expectations of themselves and others during the holidays, and they're, they're just a setup for disappointment. So. So I, I believe in preemptive forgiveness when the holidays <laughs> Preemptive <come> forgiveness. <laughs> I love it. So what is your website, Mary? It's forgivenesstraining.com. Forgivenesstraining.com. Fantastic. And you'll find a schedule for our next workshops. We have about six public workshops a year here in uh-huh. Minneapolis, and you'll find out if we're coming to your area. I'll be in Portland, Seattle in February. And so check out. Yeah, let's get together. (laughs) You betcha. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, so uh, end of February. So, yeah, check on my website, and you'll find plenty of information that will help you get started. Oh, well, thank you so much, Mary, and I look forward to seeing you in person. And I want to thank you for joining us on New Consciousness Review. Thank you. It's been an honor. And listeners, I hope you'll join us next week on NCR when my guest will be Foster Gamble. We'll be talking about his absolutely amazing DVD called Thrive. This is really a film that every citizen needs to see, so you won't want to miss it. And now we're going to conclude today's show with our track of the week. 
And in line with the season, we have a very moving piece inspired by a famous incident in World War II. It is called Someday When Christmas Never Ends, written by Gina Sitoli.
That was Someday When Christmas Never Ends, a song that has been a hit around the world, written by award-winning singer-songwriter Gina Citoli from Minneapolis. Gina creates thought-provoking music to inspire us all to elevate our consciousness, reach for our full potential, and use that potential to create a better life for ourselves, our community, and the world. Her unique shows, including her one-woman cabaret, reflect the principles of ancient wisdom, new thought, and new science, and her powerful and transforming music has been used by NASA and in international CD compilations for peace. You can order and download her music from CD Baby or from her website, ginacitoli.net. That's G-I-N-A-C-I-T-O-L-I dot net. If you enjoyed our show and are looking for more inspiration, check out our free community of readers and authors at ncreview.com. If you have any comments or suggestions for the show, I would love to hear from you. Send me an email to miriam at ncreview.com or leave a comment on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash ncreview. And please spread the word to your friends. Until next week, I'm Miriam Knight for New Consciousness Review. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.